Good morning and welcome to the Quiet Out Loud. Just as a reminder, I started this podcast to talk out loud about topics or ideas that others feel like they need to remain silent on. And people are silent for various reasons. Um, One, they might be afraid of being canceled or even losing their job. or Maybe they're just worried about upsetting friends and family. Um, Two, maybe they're afraid because they aren't an expert. Like we live in this culture where you're not allowed to have an opinion on something unless you're an expert. Specifically, if you're going against the mainstream narrative, it must mean that you simply aren't educated enough. Um, Or lastly, maybe they're just silent because they do have some certain feelings about a topic. Maybe they feel a certain way, but they just simply haven't had the time or the brain space to really process um, what it is that they are feeling. So um, if you're new here, I would encourage you to go back and just listen to what's labeled as episode one from August 30th, where I kind of talk about the goal of this podcast. And today we are going to talk about feminism. And before I get going, I just want to say this is an enormous topic. Um, I had a very hard time uh, really keeping the scope narrow here. I am not trying to cover and address every single historical event and nuance of feminism. This is not a college class. Um, If you want to go take a college course on feminism or gender studies, I'm absolutely certain that you could do so, but I wouldn't recommend it because then you will for sure become a raging feminist. So I really want to try to keep this focused on two things. Um, A trend that I have been seeing with women becoming disenchanted with modern feminism and a TikTok video that I made that caused quite a stir on social media over the weekend. Uh, So, okay. So feminism is not a subject that we are generally allowed to speak negatively about. Uh, If you do, you'll be accused of harboring internalized misogyny. And this type of name calling to me is simply just a scare tactic. It's intended to shut you up and shut you down. It's, oh, you don't like feminism? Well, you must hate women then. Uh, no, I don't hate women. I hate bad ideas that harm women. As a woman, you're expected to support and follow suit with the feminist movement, no matter where it leads you, even if it leads to your own erasure. It's for your own good. It's for your best interest. Why are you fighting against what's best for you? That's what feminism will tell you. And that's probably one of my my, my number one problem right there. Who gets to decide what's in my best interests, me or feminism. And y'all, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go here right from the get-go so that you can notice this theme as we continue to talk about feminism. And I'm going to say this, and again, people are going to throw up all over it, but I'm going to go there right right out of the gate. So this is why feminism is so in bed with communist and socialist thinking. They, the feminist, the powers that be, they know what's best for you not you, not yourself, and they won't rest until, until not that we're all equally empowered, but until we're all equally oppressed. Just and, and bear with me, like think about the political side that radical feminism is usually on. It's a side that's for big government and they just want a woman in charge instead of a man, okay? So we're going to go through that a little more, but that's just a theme that I want you to keep in mind as we go through the rest of this podcast. So again, I told you this is a podcast where we say things out loud that people are thinking, but don't want to say. So um, how did we get here though? Like I said before, feminism is a really big topic. I'm not going to deep dive um, into its overall history, but I do want to talk about briefly about the waves of feminism and kind of where we are now. So there are three to four waves of feminism. I've seen it summarized both as three or four. I'm not technically sure um, which is correct, which I'm sure feminists will absolutely hate about me, but um, I don't really find that to be the most important thing, like if it's three or if it's four or whatever. But um, I think what's important to note is that feminism and its goals have evolved significantly. And really what has happened is it's you know, it started as a, a movement for equality, and instead it's now turned into a whole ideology and has aligned itself with an ideology and a worldview that it wants you to participate in. So to be honest, I was completely unaware of these this classification of the waves until about two years ago. And actually my, my husband... <laughs> <laughs> which again, feminists are going to hate. 
great. Actually, my husband educated me on the the wave um, classification probably about two years ago. I kind of just thought it was all the same movement that had morphed into what it is today. But and then that that is true. But I can see now where first and second wave feminist would want to potentially separate themselves from the third and the fourth waves. Because first and second wave feminism was really all about equal rights for women, the right to vote, the right to own property, ability to participate in politics, reducing inequalities in the workplace, etc. And I think a lot of us um, who don't spend a lot of time thinking about feminism, I think a lot of us, when we when we do think about it, that is that's kind of what we imagine and we envision um, is first and second wave feminism, equal rights, equal opportunities, protections under the law. I don't know anyone who would argue against most of what first and second wave feminism accomplished. I only say that somewhat loosely because I know second wave feminism. Um, kind of got into like the sexual revolution. And I do think we're seeing some backlash against some of that thinking now. But generally speaking, first and second wave feminism, I th- you know I, I feel like everybody's on board with, right? So third and particularly fourth wave feminism is much more uh, postmodern in its thinking. It's really driven by academia and gender theory. And maybe this was prevalent in the earlier waves, I'm not sure, but what is noticeable now with third and fourth wave feminism, modern feminism, is that they are really radicalized against other women who don't align to their ways of thinking. And again, this is this is where it has changed and become an ideology that you need to believe in and participate in. As I mentioned before, modern feminism says, I know what's best, not just for women, but for everyone. Even if women specifically with valid lived experiences disagree and get left behind, feminism doesn't care. It would say those women aren't needed anyways. I mean, I've literally been told that by feminists. I'm not, I'm not needed. They don't need me. Okay. Okay. All right, then. This is where the feminist movement, I think, has really started to lose the faith of women. Again, it's it's no longer about feminism. It's no longer about female, about the woman. Um, Think about some of the news we see around women's sports, women's spaces, around transgenderism. I mean, we have biological men on the covers of magazines with giant headlines that read, first woman, to do X, Y, Z. And modern feminism celebrates despite having built itself using rage against males for the last hundred years. I guess it's okay if the male is pretending to be a female <laughs> because now it's an ideology. It's not a movement for the female. This is why you see feminism splintering. I mean, modern feminism is now dividing women, not uniting them, even going so far as to call other women's names like turf. This is no longer about fighting. This is no this is no longer women fighting for women. It's an ideology really fighting against women. Okay, so that's a tiny recap of where feminism is right now. And as I go through the rest of this, I'm primarily talking about modern feminism. So think about waves three and four. I am not arguing against women having equal rights or saying that women should give up any of their rights. Let me tell you a little bit about um, my personal journey. And I want to start this out by saying I am 100% responsible for the choices I've made throughout my life. And I take accountability of that. Um, I have a life that I'm extremely grateful for and that I am really proud of. I'm not blaming feminism for anything, but I think it's relevant to take some time to examine what influences us and what the impacts of that influence are. None of us, no matter how strong we think we are or how opinionated we think we are, none of us are beyond the influence of the world around us, particularly movements as large as ones like feminism. Um, the reality is, is that I feel like I should be a feminist poster child. Okay. Like if you said, here's a feminist roadmap, follow this and you'll have it all. You'll be free. You'll be an independent woman dependent upon no one. And that's pretty close to what I did. And you know what? Like, I mean, overall, I guess it worked. Um, you know, feminism will tell you, go to college, see the world, pursue a career. Then, then if you decide 
to have kids or get married, do that later. The kids, the marriage, all of that's not important. Do the first stuff first. Do, do the other stuff first. Okay. And I followed nearly all of those rules. And I say nearly because I did get married young, which I am, you know, is definitely a detour off of the feminist roadmap, but thank the Lord that I did um, marry my husband. And that has been one of the best decisions that I've made. Um, but I was very driven and I was very ambitious. I mean, you want to talk about girl power? I had it. Okay. I left my small, tiny hometown went to college and was a first generation college graduate. After college, um, we got married. We moved further away from our hometowns to a larger city for my career. I mean, I was very bent on establishing a successful career. I wanted that corner office. So a few years later, we moved again to an even larger city and even further away from our hometowns and families, You know, really alienating ourselves um, away from everything that we've ever known. Um, originally we had said, okay, we're just going to move away for five years. You know, we'll move away from our families for five years, like just to establish some work experience, have some fun, and then we'll come back, settle down and have kids. Well, it's 19 years later and we still haven't moved back. <laughs> so, and, you know, we said we would wait five years to have kids so that we could, you know, be financially sound and, you know, just have spent some time together married first, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but really five years turned into seven um, as we continued to put off kids. And I focused on my career as my husband focused on his. And you know what? You know, I, I was pretty successful in my career. I was promoted regularly. I out-earned my husband for a while. I was picked for special projects. I won internal company awards. And I'm not saying there's really anything wrong with that. Um, I don't say, think there's anything wrong with having a successful career. And I mean, I'm proud of a lot of what I have done and accomplished. But like, here comes here comes the but. But it does come at a cost. And I don't think that's something we get to say out loud very often. The ability to quote unquote, have it all is a unicorn. It's extremely rare or impossible without sacrificing something or sacrificing a lot. And I don't feel like anyone told me about the sacrifices, particularly feminism. They only told me that I was an empowered female capable of anything, but they stayed silent on the pain of the sacrifice. We cannot pretend that this way of living, the dual income, the being the career parents, the trying to split the load 50-50, the mortgage life, the having your kids in daycare 45 hours a week, we can't pretend that it doesn't come at some sort of cost, whether it be mental, mentally, physically, relationally, emotionally. So some of the costs for us, um, for one, it cost us time with our family. We lived and still do hundreds of miles away from family. Do we have community here? Yes, absolutely. We have friends that we absolutely love um, and enjoy. And I'm, you know, I'm so glad that we, that we met. Um, but it still cost us closer relationships and time with our direct family. We missed weddings, we missed births, we missed celebrations. And when you get the phone call at 5 a.m that your father has passed away suddenly at the age of 61 and you realize he only got to see his youngest granddaughter twice. And over the last decade, you'd only had time to visit him one or two times a year um, because you had to take vacation days off in order to visit. Like it's, it's a little bit of a shakeup. It's definitely a, just a moment of reflection of, of what am I doing? Okay. We, we should all take a second during these times in our lives to just reflect, not to beat ourselves up, but reflection is always good. Just to, again, a level set, like what am I doing here? Second, I mean, it cost our marriage in ways. I mean, like I said before, I was bent on pursuing my career. I pushed my husband hard to move us across the country so that I could pursue my dreams. And who was he to stand in my way? I pretty much gave him no choice. I mean, just as any good modern feminist would say, who is a man to try and hold me back? Who cares if he's my husband? He should, he should get on board. And you know what? My husband felt the same. It's not like women are the only people who suffer from these 
ideals that feminism puts out there. My husband felt the same. He felt like he had no choice, but as a, a modern man to tell me, yes, even if he didn't really want to, he didn't really want to move across the country, but modern feminism and society told him to, you can't stand in a woman's way or hold her back. Who are you to do that? And there has been significant strain in our marriage at times that is a direct result of us not living within our God-given roles and instead trying to fit this modern mold, okay? There's a feminist phrase that I saw recently, and it said, some of us are becoming the men we want to marry. Ugh, no, no. What a toxic phrase for both men and women. You don't need to become a man or you don't need to become more like a man. You don't need to become like a man in order to be the best woman you can be. I mean, gosh, we could do, I think, like a whole episode on some of these um, feminist mantras, but let's keep going. So lastly, it cost me time with my kids and maybe even potentially having more kids because we we waited so long to start. And that's kind of what you're told to do, right? Like do all this other stuff up front, wait to have the kids. We're doing it Honestly, guys, we're doing it. We're doing it backwards. It is 1000%. We're doing it backwards. Our feminism tells us to do it backwards. You should have the kids first. That's, you know, I sit here at 41, looking back on my life, like have the kids, have the kids first. Um, I, I really wish we had started having kids earlier, but we, you know, um, sticking your kids in 40 to 45 hours a week of daycare. I, again, no one prepared me for how that can absolutely wreck you emotionally. Um, no one wants to talk about the emotional toll that that can have on the heart of a mom and silly phrases like the future is female will not prepare you for the emotional turmoil you experience going back to work after, you know, just weeks after giving birth before your body's even he healed. Definitely one of the hardest things I've personally, um, had to do. It's just a, such a wild mix of emotions. Um, you know, yes, you feel like you want to get back to work because, you know, work is what makes you worthy, you know, quote unquote worthy in the world. And, but you also want to spend time at home with your babies. And, but feminism will tell you to deny that maternal instinct to stay home with your babies. There's just this, this guilt that never ends. I always felt guilty. I felt guilty when I had to leave work you know, at five o'clock on the dot so that I could get my kids from daycare before they closed while other people stayed and worked later. I felt guilty when I left my kids at daycare and they were screaming and crying and holding onto my leg and begging me not to go. Um, I felt absolutely crushed the one time that my toddler daughter called her daycare provider mom. Feminism didn't prepare me for that. Um, I felt horrible when I had to leave my kids to travel out of town for work. Um, you know, if you've ever had to breast pump in hotels and airports, it's not a lot of fun. And really the crux of it is, is I, I never really had complete peace about what I was doing. Feminism had told me that I was enough. You are enough. Have you ever heard that? You're not. I'm here to tell you that you're not. None of us are, okay? And that that is that is okay, actually. Like that's the message we should be told. You can't actually um like I said, doing it all and having it all is is a unicorn. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who are just crushing all of life and and super happy about it, but Clearly, clearly I was not enough because I did not have peace about what we were doing, but we persevered anyways. Um, again, I was supposed to be strong enough to handle it all. And it was, you know, success at all costs. We spent our weeks working and our weekends doing laundry, cleaning the house, grocery shopping. We really tried to divide and conquer to get everything done. Um, but the truth is, is that that just created more time apart for both of us as, as a married couple. And we were both, it just, it ended up with where both of us are, you know, or were overwhelmed with, with work, life, kids, you know, it wasn't one of us kind of focusing on the kids and, and one of us kind of focusing on work so that we kind of had our areas of expertise. Like we're instead like peanut butter spread, trying to do everything, um, together. And, and I actually think that 
you know, makes you more inefficient. And you're now having to, to manage, you know, hundreds of tasks just a little bit versus trying to manage a couple of tasks and just do them really well. So, and then you know what, guess what? After 19 years of giving up my family in exchange for dollars and success, I was let go. Okay, your boss, your job, no matter how wonderful, how wonderful or good, will never replace your family. Now, what feminists will tell you is that you don't need a man. You don't need a man because you've got a job, you know, you've got your own bank account, you're you're independent, okay, of a man. Well, let me tell you, if you have a job, you are still dependent upon somebody. And that in your retirement plan and everything that you think you have can absolutely go away tomorrow, okay? So listen, our story is not tragic. I'm not telling you my story for sympathy or anything like that. Absolutely not. I'm just sharing you know, my story honestly because I am at a point in my life, again, where I have the ability to take a look back and say, man, I am really grateful for a lot of things that happened um, and, and really happy with some of the choices that we made. But I also have to look at, again, some of the missteps that we took. And I take full responsibility for, for both. I mean, and I fully recognize that, that we've created a pretty good life for ourselves and for our daughters. So I don't sit here with a heap of regrets. Um, I am incredibly grateful. So again, it's just kind of a, a moment in time to do some reflecting and take inventory and ask, you know, what was driving me and were the costs worth it? And like, how do I want to move forward? You know, as you look back and say, like, again, kind of take that inventory, then that helps you look forward and say, like, what do I want my life to look like from here on out? Um, and then it, it's an opportunity for me too, just to, to reflect and say, was I overly influenced by, you know, kind of a driven feminist mindset? And now I know some people will argue, Jennifer, your problem is not with feminism. It's with capitalism. It's actually capitalism. That's the problem. And what is driving and oppressing and exhausting you? Okay. I just want to be crystal clear. No, my problem is not with capitalism. It's with modern feminism and the messages that modern feminism portrays and the ideals that it wants us to embrace. Perhaps capitalism isn't perfect, but there is no economic system better for everyone, for anyone and everyone, regardless of race and gender. Feminism tells women that capitalism is bad, while at the same time selling them out to it by insisting that women occupy all of the white collar spaces that men do. And I want to say this again, feminism sells women out to capitalism. It tells women that capitalism is bad while selling them out to it by insisting that women occupy all of the white collar spaces that men do. Think about this. Feminism doesn't want women in just any old workplace, right? It wants women only in the highest of workplaces. And I got to be honest, like I am absolutely over this idea that women need to occupy every space ever from every political office to every single Marvel character. I don't care anymore. I don't care if we never have a woman president or a woman superhero. It does not matter to me. My inherent value as a woman is not defined by these titles. Feminism tells women that they will never be truly valued and truly worthy until they achieve a specific status in politics or the workplace. That's feminism, not capitalism. I want the most qualified person for the job, whether it's a, a president or a superhero, period. I want the most qualified person, okay? Femin feminism doesn't care about qualification. It only cares about identity status. My problem is not with capitalism. Capitalism is not who tells women to be promiscuous, to embrace abortion as healthcare, to deny or delay their maternal instincts, that family isn't important, 
It isn't capitalism that browbeats men, calling them nothing but toxic. It isn't capitalism marching through the streets with vagina hats on its head. It isn't capitalism coming up with ridiculous, belittling phrases like mansplaining and putting out shows like She-Hulk. It's feminism who tells women they are oppressed if they stay home. It's feminism that tells women that they are oppressed if they stay at their job. Modern feminism doesn't sell liberation and equality. It sells oppression and anger. That is their currency. And their appetite for oppression and anger will never be satisfied. Just like I said before, it's feminism that won't be happy until everyone is equally oppressed. Feminism has gleefully fed women into the capitalist system, even though it claims to hate it as a means to undermine capitalism. Feminism wants women in the workplace because they, first of all, I think they know many won't like it and they'll be miserable. Okay. And then they know that it will destroy the nuclear family. And then they also, I think they think they can use this this discontentment um, and this destruction of the nuclear family to, to help topple capitalism. I mean, all of these women, I've gotten so many comments on social media that my problem is with capitalism. There is zero ownership from feminism about what they have done. It's it, They only want to blame capitalism and the patriarchy. Okay, feminism has infiltrated this society enough where some some accountability from the matriarchy is warranted and valid. Feminism sacrifices women for its agendas. Feminists don't want to be kept by any man, quote unquote, but they'll gladly be kept by the government, one that they build and control, obviously. It's, it is just like, they want their own, you know, government and economic system, just a woman version this time. Okay. Okay. So switching gears just a little bit, having kids and, you know, um, my marriage is really what opened me up to um, the fact that maybe I didn't quite have this feministic, empowered woman who can do it all thing quite uh, right, which made me curious. Are there other women disenchanted with feminism? And if so, what made them start questioning the narrative? And so I asked that on my my Instagram stories. And guys, I got 11 pages of responses. I got a ton of responses. So uh, one, no, I'm or sorry, like, yes, there are other women who are disenchanted with feminism and are questioning the narrative, and I'm not alone. Um, so I kind of su- want to summarize those responses about, you know, why are women disenchanted with feminism. And here's some major themes that I saw from those 11 pages of responses. Um, You know, honestly, probably the biggest theme was the Bible. When women started studying the Bible and learning about uh, God-given roles and structures for both them and their husbands, um, that really, you know, got them questioning what they had been believing and following, uh, you know, from a modern society perspective. Uh, second was the man bashing. There were there were a lot of comments around the theme of dismissing and belittling men. That feminism is no longer about being equal with men, but rather about women being above men. And and I you know again if you take it back to this theme of feminism, you know kind of wanting this control and thinking that they can do anything a man can do, but they can do it better, right? I, this is one of the things that really bugs me about feminism is that there's no self-critique. There's no self-critique. It's perfect. It's a it's perfect because women are running it. Guys, women are imperfect and sinful just like men. Do women have specific problems because they're a female or, or specific struggles because they're a female? Absolutely. As do men. Okay? Okay. Third, abortion. Um, You know, uh, a lot of people are becoming disenchanted with feminism because of abortion, that so much of their messaging revolves around abortion while, while ignoring or even hating on motherhood. So the fourth one was along the same vein, devaluing children, treating children like they're a burden, again, like they should be aborted, they should be placed in daycare, especially, again, moms commenting on this, that, that after they'd had children and realized what a joy they are, when you ha- after you have kids and can appreciate them and you look back and see the messages of feminism, it really can 
um, you know, open your eyes to the lies they're telling you specifically around babies and kids. Um, five was insulting stay at home moms or acting like they aren't choosing a wise or valid option or telling them that they're wasting their life. Again, feminism will tell you that it's all about choice, but it's really not. It's about making the choices that they want you to make. And there are a lot of, you know, there, there is a overall, um, stigma out in the world in our modern society that, you know, staying at home and being just a full-time mom is not a, a wise choice. It's a waste of a woman's life. Uh, six, that there was this constant focus on perceived oppression while ignoring real oppression in other parts of the world. Um, seven, the just over-sexualization um, and even calling sexual exploitation empowerment, like they renamed, you know, prostitution, um, sex worker, right? Like much of feminism what what feminism pushes is honestly more beneficial for men than it is for women. And again, so these are just some of the big themes that I saw around reasons why women um, ha- are questioning the narrative of modern feminism. Okay, along that same vein, I recently made a TikTok video that has gone a little bit viral. I think it's about 4 million views on Twitter. Um because some people had shared it. And I think I'm at like 1.4 million views on TikTok. And I, um, I have never published a video that generated so much positive support while also triggering so many people. Okay. I've posted a lot of controversial videos, but like (laughs) this one has definitely gotten the most attention. So um, I'm actually going to try to play that for you guys right now so that you can hear it. And if you're listening to the podcast, um, just let me set the stage for you. This is basically a, you know, quote unquote, 1950s housewife um, meeting a 2022 modern woman. Okay, so I'm going to play that. Welcome to 2022, where you can do anything a man can do. I am so excited to finally be here. You are going to love it. Feminism has done so much for women. Do tell. No more aprons, first of all. Oh, do we finally have a butler to cook for us? Oh gosh, no. You'll just eat pre-made greasy crap out of a bag on your way to and from work. I suppose that sounds convenient. So I get to work outside the home? Totally. You get to sit in a cubicle all day while you stare at a computer screen chugging coffee. So liberating, right? I suppose. I'm at work all day. Will we finally have a Rosie the Robot maid? (laughs) No, you'll still have to do all the cleaning. That's what your weekends are for, cleaning and laundry. Oh, and errands and yard work. Wait, so I have to work full time plus still manage my home full time? I mean, you want to have it all, right? Okay, but what about my husband? Is he amazing? What? No, you're not married. You live alone with your cat. What? You do date though, a lot. You can just have sex with whoever, whenever you want. That sounds kind of gross actually. Just pick them off of this app. What about pregnancy? Oh, there's this magic pill you take, totally wrecks your hormones, but keeps you from getting pregnant so you can, you know, knock some boots. The pill is magic? Well, it's mostly effective, but don't worry. If by chance you do get pregnant, you can totally just kill the baby by having an abortion. Why would I do that? So you can get back to work, duh. Someone has to fill that cubicle space. Okay, am I at least happy? I mean, yeah, as long as you don't skip your antidepressant pill. Another magic pill. Gotta cope somehow. I think I'll just stay here. Get to have purple hair. Okay, let's start by saying what this video is not about. It is not about race or even having a career or not. And you know what? It's not really even about the 1950s specifically. Um, A lot of people are critiquing that are critiquing the video were really stuck on the historical race issues of the 1950s or, or the ability for women to now work outside the home. Um, and it's really, but they're completely ignoring, completely ignoring the issues that are raised from the 2022 woman. Okay. And so what this video is about is 2022 women feeling betrayed by the ideals of feminism. Okay. But let's, I I do want to spend a couple minutes just addressing the fifties concerns, just based on the sheer number of, you know, commentary and messages that I've gotten about that. So first of all, this is a nostalgic look back at the fifties in terms of some 
some of the ideals that we think we find there. Okay, this is not a comprehensive look back at all of the realities of the 50s. I am not suggesting that we literally time travel to that precise moment and relive it exactly as it was. This nostalgic look back is about the ideals that many women, regardless of race or income, find themselves in 2022 longing for. It's romanticizing a set of values for all women, values of God, family, home, and maybe some simplicity. Things that feminism will tell you, you don't need, by the way. It's not about romanticizing specific historical events for only a small group of women. I mean, go back to the list above of what real women said that they're looking for and why they feel disenchanted by feminism. They're looking for a set of values, a set of ideals, like having a family, being home, living godly lives, valuing the men in their lives, and perhaps, like I said before, an overall simplification of life. When women don't see those values being prioritized in current society, I think it's okay to look back in time and ask where and when were those things important? Were they ever important in all of history? And if they were important, like what did that look like? I think we can look back in history to learn from the good as well as the bad. The point is not to romanticize the 50s as a whole, nor is it to demonize the 50s as a whole. It would be a mistake to view our history through a singular lens of either all good or all bad. Okay, right or wrong, the 50s is an era where women perceive some of the ideals and values that they are missing today once existed. And yes, I know that many women did work in the 50s. White, black, didn't matter. Many lower class women had to work and worked hard. And I know this because my own grandmothers worked. Didn't want to, but they had to. Inconveniently, for most people who don't like me, I don't come from some high-class, rich, white background. I come from factory workers, farmers, and Native Americans. I am a first-generation college graduate, like I said before, and have literally worked my butt off just like my family has done through all of time. I have personally never seen so much judgment regarding skin color as I do from those who call themselves anti-racist. So many people's reaction to the video was, well, she's white. Of course she wants the 50s back so she can bring back segregation. I beg of you, we cannot move forward as a society without opening up our minds to the fact that not everyone and everything is racist. No one, no, namely me, no one is looking back with nostalgia about segregation, okay? Because, okay, so settled. Because women have always worked, I do think early feminism, early feminism saw women in the workplace being used and abused, having poor working conditions, et cetera, and asked, how can we make this better? How can we make this better for work, working women? How can we make it easier for them to get to the workplace, uh, to be in the workplace, to you know have opportunities in the workplace? How can we ensure that women are treated and paid fairly once they get there? None of that is bad. None of that is bad. I, I do not disagree with women having the option and opportunity to work at whatever job it is that they want to do. These are good things to fix if they're broken and unfair. Again, no one is arguing against women having you know, arguing against women working or having rights in the workplace. So yay, feminism for helping women do that. Bravo to waves, you know, one and two. But what feminism didn't ask is, is this the best place for the majority of women based on their natural and inherent skills and abilities? Is the workplace even where women want to be? Is work where women will thrive? You see feminism thrusting women, again, into all of these, they want women in very specific roles in society. Feminism isn't happy that women, you know, gravitate towards teaching roles, to nursing roles because of their inherent natural skills and abilities. That's not where feminism wants women, okay? And feminism didn't ask, like, what are the impacts to society if most women work versus focusing on family? Actually, they probably did ask that. And they said, you know, we don't want a focus on the family because it does want to destroy the nuclear family. What if, and it didn't ask like, what if women want out of the workplace and to be home with their families? Like, what, you know, how, how can we help them do that? Uh, did feminism do anything 
to strengthen the family and motherhood? Feminism has helped working conditions, access, and rights, but it also insisted women be in and stay in the workplace. So why isn't modern feminism then asking this question? Listen, I know and appreciate like every woman is different, every family is different, and we should all have you know, the choice and the right to work or not work as they see fit without being belittled. But modern feminism isn't giving women more choices or freedoms. It's steering them in one direction. And it is belittling to some women. As I've already pointed out, it's less and less about the specific choice. Again, like more and more about steering towards a certain direction it's in a specific ideology so that feminism can pursue its agenda. And women are becoming, I think, increasingly aware that rather than encouraging them to embrace their natural femininity, feminism pushes women to reject it. It encourages women to be less feminine, okay, to be brash, to scream, to shout, to be, you know, in order to get your way, to delay or deny yourself having a child, to be more, you know, to have more sexual partners with little regard for consequence. Feminism does not teach women <clears throat> feminism does not teach women that they can be equal with men and maintain their femininity. Rather, it says you need to become more like a man, which is wildly ironic since feminism hates men. I mean, feminism seems incapable of celebrating the uniqueness of women without insulting or stereotyping men in order to do so. It even goes so far as to call a traditional or conservative life of being a wife and homemaker oppressive and archaic. You know, like I said before, suggesting that women only marry and have kids after they've explored all other avenues first. You know, get on birth control, go to college, explore sex, get multiple piercings, get a job, sleep around, get an abortion, get a new job, try being a lesbian, sleep around even more, transition to a man if you want, have more sex. If all of that doesn't make you happy, fine, fine. Try the traditional marriage and kid thing, I guess. Okay, traditional marriage and homemaking is offered as a last resort option. And the problem is many women are following this guidance only to find themselves older and alone with regrets. I'm not saying every woman, okay? But this is a, a theme that I have heard, you know, from, you know, peer groups and, and out in the world that women are, you know, they're, they're getting older and finding that they actually do want children. And now they've waited too long and they can't and they feel betrayed and lied to by feminism. But feminism doesn't pause to ask why some women feel betrayed and lied to. Again, feminism denies all accountability. It simply bulldozes forward, leaving women in its wake. Like I said, feminism posits that those women aren't needed anyways. Okay. Per the TikTok video that I shared, I do think, and I mentioned these, some of these in the video, but I do think there are issues facing women today that feminism blatantly ignores or even perpetuates to the detriment of women. So let's talk about a few of these. Again, my goal here is not necessarily a deep dive into each one. I just want to get all of us thinking. Uh, number one, birth control. Women are often put on hormonal birth control from a very young age, often for treatment of something like acne. Obviously, um, feminism pushes and supports birth control um, without much regard for potential negative health impacts. We only hear about how liberating birth control is for women, freeing them from the burden of pregnancy and the ability to have sex consequence-free, just like a man. See how feminism encourages masculinity in women rather than femininity? That's a hard word to say, by the way. <laughs> However, we don't hear feminism fighting for the six to 700 women that die each year due to birth control complications. We don't hear feminist concerns that pill users are 250% more likely to have a heart attack or stroke than a non-pill user. And in case you missed it, heart disease is a leading cause of death for women. Um, and if you, again, I recommended that you go back and listen to my you know podcast episode one from August 30th, where I talk about big lies, but I feel like this is a kind of a big 
lie that we are, you know, that we need to kind of take a look at and question and examine is, is feminism and big pharma, you know, with this message that birth control is nothing but safe and effective. You should research that. So in my opinion, this is my opinion. I am not a doctor. Please do not um, take my advice as a doctor at all. Um, in my opinion, birth control is often prescribed as a Band-Aid versus actually teaching women about their bodies and how to address issues naturally. Again, it encourages women to deny or delay their natural bodies. Number two, having many sexual partners. What we hear from feminism is that women are sexual creatures and they should engage in sexual activity as often as they want, watch porn or do anything a man would do. But is increased sex with just random people good for women? I mean, it degrades the quality of the nuclear family, but even if you didn't care about that, just look at the increase in STDs. I would say unequivocally, Having more sexual partners does not benefit women. In 2021, 2021, STDs rose to an all-time high for the sixth year in a row. And having multiple sexual partners is linked to increasing anxiety and depression. But it's weird. We don't hear feminism teaching women about this. We don't hear them saying like, hey, maybe it's a good idea to like not have as much sex as possible. Like maybe you put the app down for a while. Like, I mean, they, we don't hear this at all, right? We don't hear the negative impacts um, emotionally, physically, or mentally of having multiple sexual partners. Number three, um, anxiety and depression, which we just mentioned in the one above, um, women are nearly twice as likely as men to be diagnosed with, with depression. Okay, guys, so many people commented on that TikTok video that women in the fifties were depressed, drunk, and hopped up on medications. Okay. Well, my question is, why in 2022 are so many women still depressed drunk and hopped up on medications? Why do we glorify mommy wine time? Why are there tens of millions of women on antidepressants? Has feminism not made women happier? Are you telling me that even though women can now march through the streets with their vagina hats, they still aren't happy? Maybe even less so? My personal opinion is that the mental load on women continues to grow. It's huge and it continues to grow. And don't you dare blame the patriarchy. Feminism, like I said, has been around long enough and infiltrated us as a society to the point where some accountability from the matriarchy is required. Okay, number four, feminism tells us that we can and should put off having children. Like I said, I've observed a lot of women saying that they wish they hadn't done this, that in their 20s and 30s, they believed that they didn't want or didn't need children. And then as they got older, they realized this was a mistake. And now it's too late or it's much more difficult. In my opinion, feminism can push this radical independence in women, specifically independence from the family unit, telling us that you don't need a man, you don't need kids, you don't need a family. Don't worry about any of that. You'll be fine without it. You can take care of yourself. And if you can't take care of yourself, we'll take care of you. Okay? Remember the theme I said for you to watch for? I'll say this again. The agenda is to alienate you from your family from your, sorry, let me back up. The goal is to, the agenda is to alienate you from your family, from you from building a family so that you are dependent upon the system. If feminism is for women, why is it encouraging so many women into a lifestyle that leaves them feeling alienated and alone long-term? Lastly, body positivity, number five women are more likely to be severely obese than men. This is a legit health crisis for women. And what does feminism do? It doesn't look into it. It doesn't, you know, look into the causes of what's causing this. Instead, it starts a body positivity campaign. Get out of here with that nonsense. Do more to figure out and fight obesity in women. Help them get healthy. Help them fight what's making them sick. Don't lie to them to spare their feelings. Stop this slay queen mentality and treating women like they're weak-minded imbeciles. There are several other issues that I feel like are plaguing women that I see feminism staying silent on, or again, even making worse. But um, I'm going to stop the list there because I could go on and on about the hypocrisies that I see. Um, but the question is, is why? 
why do they stay silent on what women are saying? Hey, these are the real issues that I'm facing right now. Instead, I feel like feminism like makes up fake issues to be oppressed about and to be upset about. They just make stuff up when they can't find a problem. While there are plenty of problems that women are saying they're facing, but they don't fit feminism's underlying agenda. So they don't care. They don't care. You know, there is this idea out there that conservative Christians want to usher in the handmaid's tale. Have you, I'm sure we've all heard this or even been accused of it, which I find hysterical because it is not the conservative Christian who is calling women birthing people or uterus owners, like literally erasing women. Um, no, that's the feminists. Okay. And it's not conservative Christians who are encouraging the use of surrogate wombs. Again, that's feminism. Modern feminism Feminists care about sex, abortion, destroying the family, and having a government-dependent, androgynous citizen. Frankly, they care about erasing women all together. Okay, so what's a better way? I mean, for me, personally, honestly, I would point you back to the Bible and the biblical description of women and the biblical roles given to women. I mean, maybe I'll do an entire um, episode just on that. I have... Um, done some videos on that before, but unfortunately, feminism has painted these roles that the the Bible lays out for women as restrictive. But I'd like to offer just another word for that, and I would like to offer the word protective, not only for women but for men too. We have this misconception that the that the word of freedom in our culture we associate freedom with unlimited access unlimited choice and no boundaries. But the reality is, is that there's so much more freedom and less stress within boundaries. And if you're, if if you're someone who has a problem with the biblical perspective on women and that thought of that makes you just cringe, like I said before, I've done a few skits on this, I'll drop them in the show notes below. Um, And I said, maybe this is something I can do a larger uh, episode on, but Um, I'm also going to link a couple of podcasts below from other women about feminism that I think you'll enjoy and maybe take you just a little bit deeper into this topic. And I would, I would highly encourage all women to study the Proverbs 31 woman. So this is Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 through 31. And what a beautiful description of womanhood. She is strong she is resourceful, she is focused on her family, she is respected and praised by her family and her husband, and most importantly, she is godly. So just to to end on reading the last part of that that, um, passage, verses 30 through 31, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So I just want to end with that. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'd love to hear your feedback on it and your thoughts. So please continue to reach out to me on social media and let me know what else you guys want to talk about. I really had not intended on doing an episode on feminism. I have a couple of other topics that I want to talk about, but uh, this one kind of, you know, uh, based on me doing that TikTok video, I felt like it was a topic that I really needed to go ahead and spend a little bit of time on and give some clarity around um, kind of my thoughts and feelings and perspective and kind of, you know, how I got to where I am with some of those. So, all right, this has been great guys. Thank you.